J.K. Dobbins provided some insight as to why he wasn't participating in minicamp, saying he sat out due to contract issues. We talk about that and a lot more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here on this Purple Friday and making us your first listen each and every day. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Locked On NFL. And they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs edit style tumbler with every order and we are free and available all podcasting platforms including video forum on youtube where you can see me and my background and kadri ismail former baltimore ravens wide receiver super bowl champion got that red light going on as always and q minicamp is officially over now the ravens had it and the whole team reported which was good but not everybody was participating in practice as we talked about jk dobbins a couple weeks ago the contract concerns the tweets that he had but ended up not participating at all in minicamp and actually confirmed on WJZ that he was holding in. He sat out due to, to contract concerns, stuff that we had kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago. Ian Rappaport, you know, on the vault, Sarah Ellison, Bobby Trost do a great job over there. Ian Rappaport first hinted it's something like that. Dobbins himself confirms it. So while I think a lot of people were wondering, well, is this an injury thing? J.K. Dobbins confirming himself, Q, this was not, in fact, injury. It was contract related. Well, I think this is the new way to negotiate or employ and a strategy to negotiate um, is to show and voice your displeasure with the way things are going and what you were are hoping to have without necessarily, uh, you know, going scorched earth and just saying flat out, I'm not coming. You know, you're showing up, you're showing your face, you're showing you know, your value, if you will, but you're not necessarily saying, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and take my ball and, and walk away or I'm going to suck my thumb and be angry. I'm here doing everything, but technically I don't want to participate in practice because, you know, why? I, I, I'm, you know, if I hurt myself, I lose my value, but I'm showing you guys that I am valuable and so, therefore, I'm going to just chill and sit back. And so I think that's what strategy is for J.K. And we'll see whether or not it comes to light. In other words, if he gets a new contract or an extension, then in his mind, yeah, the strategy worked. Yeah, and I know when talking you know, with WJZ, saying, quote, the business side is very hard. It's very different. You saw with Lamar, it's never just roses and daisies. It can be hard at times. And it's a business, though. And also kind of double down on the fact that he wants to be – a Raven for the rest of his career yeah. saying, so the thing I can say is I would love to be a Baltimore Raven for the rest of my career. I would love to, because I love the city. I love the people. It feels like family here. It feels like my second home. And I hope that happens, but Hugh, we know where the running back position is right now in terms of value. It is honestly at an all time low, considering what we're seeing with wide receiver contracts and corner contracts and not honestly quarterback contracts too. But for Dobbins, this holding in situation, it was always holding out, you know, and now we're starting to get these hold ins, like you said, the new way of negotiating. 
But do you think it is within J.K. Dobbins' best interest, Q, to try to get this contract now or maybe when he potentially has a good season in 2023 if that's what's in the cards for him and maybe that raises his value what, what do you think timing wise jk dobbins is thinking about right now so i think a few things one you know the the market is yes shying away from that running back it's attrition basically all the hits that are on that running back's body you're not going to get that first and second year type of a guy that we had used to seeing, whether it be in my era where you had a guy like an Emmett Smith, who was your bell cow, or uh, later on where you had a guy most recently like an Adrian Peterson. Now you have to have a running back by committee. Um, I think even Derrick Henry, you know, it's, he was and most likely still is, you know, their main cog in their offense. But Overall, it's been running back by committee. It's been a scenario where, you know, guys aren't going to go out there and, and uh, command that, you know, 17, 1,800 yards, um, 30 carries a game type of a, a player. And so teams are going to look for those street free agents or undrafted rookie free agents um, or late round draft picks. And if they can be productive, then why do we have to go out there and, you know, pay a lot from a salary cap standpoint when we can get a guy that will be way more cap friendly and still give us the production we need at that position. Right. And in turn, you mentioned production cue. This is a player in J.K. Dobbins who we know when, when he's healthy and, and clicking, all things are go for him. I think he's one of the better running backs in the game right now, especially when you consider just what he did his rookie season, six yards per carry that led all running backs that year. And then also the fact that when he's not healthy, it's just it hurts to not have him out there at this point. Dobbins has played in 23 games in three seasons. He now enters the final year of his rookie deal. So do, do you feel like Baltimore should be, I don't know, do you feel like they're not valuing J.K. Dobbins enough? Should they be valuing him more? Is it the right decision for Baltimore to maybe be going a little bit low, essentially, what we're predicting here on J.K. Dobbins and a contract extension? Or do you think that maybe they should be offering him possibly a bit more than presuming that they're offering him right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's tricky. I think what they're, you know, I'm I'm off the top of my head, I think there's somewhere around eight million uh cap space left um with after they signed their entire rookie class. Um for JK, if Saquon Barkley, who is that franchise guy, is having a hard time with a deal, then it just magnifies how much more challenging it's going to be for a guy like JK who, yes, he came off an injury. Saquon definitely came off an injury, but Saquon had his best year last year. They franchised him because they feel like that's the best option for their team. JK doesn't have quite the cachet that you're looking at with Saquon. So I think, again, it's the market setting itself and you got to, got to deal with that. I mean, that's part of, you know, the pecking order of things. And so, you know, 1.3 million grossly underpaid for what he feels he's capable of. And I think there's going to have to be something to sweeten the pot, but they, the Ravens right now, they don't necessarily have to rush. I think there can be some discussions that could be had and eventually come to a, a reasonable deal with one another.
Right, and so so my thing with Dobbins is, again, I think that his value right now, I think he's building it back. Not that he doesn't have any. I think, again, one of the best running backs in the league when he is healthy. But to me, Q, if he has a great 2023 season, I think his value only increases whatever extension or contract he gets increases. But then it becomes, well, what if he doesn't? You know, What if he gets injured? The stability of having a long-term extension now, I think, is maybe something J.K. Dobbins values. And I do not blame him if that's the case. But there are multiple sides of it. But is there any concern with UQ that maybe this continues the hold in into training camp, into the regular season? Or do you think that this was just a statement in mini camp and then it's going to be, you know, he'll, he'll participate the rest of the way? I mean, you hope it's just a statement, but you also, how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to prove your point? You know, 1.3 is hopefully underpaid. 1.3 is is not what you look at when you see top tier running backs so okay i feel like i'm a top tier guy you know somewhere in there there's some other running backs and i don't have the figures in front of me but somewhere in there you know i might not be saquon but i'm definitely better than 1.3 and 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 so how far are you willing to go and if it's a scenario where you're going to blink while the Ravens and their front office are like, no, we're just going to stay steady. We're going to go into training camp. We're going to see, you know, how this plays out. We know that Justice Hill, you know, is our guy. We know that uh, Gus Bus uh, is going to be doing his thing. So if we got to ride with Gus Edwards, if we got to go ahead with Justice Hill and you're going to figure it out, so be it. You know, those are the strong conversations that you're going to have to have. The biggest thing is as long as Devontae Freeman ain't coming through that door, we're good. You know, maybe he's the maybe if Dobbins holds out, they bring him back. You never know. That would be, I think, that would make my whole year. If <laughs> not Dobbins holding out, I want Dobbins to be there and playing. But hey, you know what? Devonta Freeman practice squad with Dobbins Edwards and uh, Justice Hill there. You can sign me up for that 100%. But coming up in the second segment, Q and I will be diving into Rashad Bateman a little bit. Q will be using his training expertise to provide some insight. On to the latest with Bateman's injury and health status. So be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And Bird Dogs make you look good. I know that because I have multiple pairs. And trust me, they do make you look really good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. And for me, movement is huge in shorts. And Bird Dogs really makes that possible. And it's really easy to move around in them. Bird Dogs fix the movement issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a waist limber fit without having to sacrifice movement my nickname it was khaki kev well, still is khaki kev so i appreciate bird dogs with the khakiness there and bird dogs is anti-stink sweat wicking fabric it keeps you cool and dry all day long go to birddogs.com slash lockdown nfl for a free eddie style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash lockdown nfl for a free eddie style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you we're back our second segment locked on ravens purple friday edition kevin ostrich still here with kadri ismael and q with dama's not participating obviously that was due to contract now rashad bateman during minicamp was not on the field fully and that was because of a cortisone shot. John Harbaugh kind of went into detail a little bit, saying the screws had come out. He obviously had the foot injury last year, Bateman did. The screws came out. That kind of helps with the discomfort of things. I think before the, the second update, there were a lot of people concerned about, well, what does this mean? Is, is the bone in a weakened state? Based off of everything that you know, Q, about this type of thing, 
on a scale of one to 10, what, what's your concern level with Rashad Bateman and where that foot is right now? So if in fact it is a scenario where the screw or the hardware, however it could be a plate as well, is out and they have done that because he is on schedule to therefore have the next phase of it, which is running without that hardware and that soft tissue plus the bone itself and all of the surrounding fascia has to heal itself and get stronger again. He should be on a PEMF uh, pulse electromagnetic uh, pulsing device. If that is in play, it can speed up and continually help the bone do its due diligence and healing, giving it a shot. Not that I'm not a fan of it, but if they feel like that's going to be something of an avenue to continue to help, you know, with the recovery and maybe not be so uh, biting with the the tissue as he tries to plant and run. Okay, um, there's plenty of time before training camp, and so that's the main thing. Like right now, hey, you mentally locked in, yeah. You feel good about where you're at, cool. If he's locked in, he's feeling really good about where he's at then I'm not going to, you know, sit there and, 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 and you know, berate him or, or try to make it seem like, oh, gosh, here we go, you know, now another, you know. No, this doesn't count. He is not getting a statistic whatsoever for any catch that he makes right now. Sure, it's going to make it a little bit more evaluation-wise for Todd Munkin to look at things, but so what? He's been there, done that. I think this is a scenario where, yeah, all he has to do is continue to progress and be ready for training camp. Yeah, again, that's the trade-off, right? Where I'd, I'd much rather the organization would do. I'm sure everybody would rather have no snaps being taken now as he gets that foot back to 100% or as close as he can as opposed to him doing stuff on it now at whatever percentage it's at, 70, 80, 85, whatever, and having more of a chance for re-injury. But, Q, that's where I wanted to go next. What's kind of the concern level in terms of re-injury with this the longer it goes on i think obviously the more recovery time you have the less hopefully risk of re-injury there is but are these types of injuries things that you you worry about re-injury with especially early on in the process so yeah because so soft tissue as well as obviously the bone but the soft tissue uh surrounding it you know when that fascia gets uh, agitated it, it it reverbs up into the system the central nervous system is getting all this information and the pain or the discomfort is a signaling that, hey, hold on here, we're not done healing. And for him, it's violent. You know, I was looking at the one video that was captured of the one drill, the receiver drill, where, you know, it was cones that were tightly together and you could see where they had their violently cut, violently uh, cut, and then you come up and make the catch. And I've seen drills like that where, man, it looks so easy from the the non-football uh, eye. Oh, yeah, that's easy drill. Man, that jazz, you're putting so much force into the ground, and you're trying to figure it out. And if that, you know, causes you to, to lose concentration, causes you to do something. When I say do something, it causes you to put yourself in a position where, uh, you know, you, you overcompensate. Now you're probably looking at a sore knee. Now you're looking at a lower back. You're looking at things that can bother you 
And that's what you don't want to have. So again, you know, throwing caution to the wind, making sure that, you know, the little details of healing is, is in place and, and not just taking it for granted. Right. And I know that with all these types of injuries, we, we talked about this, you and I, a lot when, you know, guys like Dobbins and Edwards and Stanley and Peters are coming back from their injuries. It's a certain level of trusting your body for everyone. It's different for everybody. Some guys can just get on that thing and go, you know, 100 percent trust. And other guys have to kind of feel it out a little bit. There's a little bit of hesitancy and it can take some time to fully feel like, oh, yeah, I can cut on this and not have to think about it. So. What would your advice be to Rashad Bateman Q to, to kind of either take it slow for him or just to make sure that he's doing everything he can to not necessarily rush it and make sure he feels comfortable enough on his body before maybe going full speed here, whether it's training camp or the regular season? Everybody knows. Uh, everybody has an idea of their body. Everybody's going to know whether or not um, if it's a scenario where you're – your cutting, your ability to take pain, your ability to to manage the the swelling, the inflammation. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing progressively uh, that is away from the game? You know, are you doing the right things diet wise, supplement wise? Are you taking your bromelain? You know, are you making sure you have? you know, some boron in your system as well as are you bathing in it, um, giving yourself those opportunities to, you know, have the magnesium uh, to, to facilitate healing as well. You know, there's so many things. Um, again, red light therapy. Are you you know, pushing yourself into a position where you're helping yourself out with that? You know, are you using machines like this device behind me where it's, it's, it's a scenario where I can just press a button is going to be in a scenario where it's now going to help me as far as rapidly healing so many different things that you can do. And I think every guy, their mindset is differently and, and, and how, and, and, and the way you prepare with the team, communicate with the team, but also away from the team, it really does matter, but it also helps. For example, when you hear a guy like an Odell Beckham, speaking with Rashad and, and telling him how it is and, and, and how to trust yourself. And, and then you got a guy like a Ronnie Stanley who also, you know, had devastating uh, injury and how he also worked his way back into it. Those super fast twitch muscle fibers, they react differently to different guys, but you get a, a picture of what guys are talking about. And I think that helps and that aids into the process. And so I think for JK, it's just a matter of, or I apologize, for Bateman rather, it's just a matter of him being comfortable with understanding what everybody else is doing plus what he's doing and how it feels under that full speed pressure. Yeah, and you know, you talked about, you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. It was the exact same thing for him last year where especially after the second surgery, it was how do you feel with your body? How comfortable are you? And I think we saw that some of the long speed that we saw from his rookie season wasn't necessarily back. There was that long run, I think it was against Pittsburgh, that you know probably 100% J.K. Dobbins would have broken that thing. So there's just a, a matter of comfortability with everybody's body. But you mentioned Odell Beckham too, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about too because Odell coming off the ACL injury in 2021, Bateman coming off his foot injury. We've talked so much about how we both think the Ravens have done a much better job this offseason of stocking that wide receiver room with depth in, in the event that somebody has to miss some time. But – Ideally, everybody's healthy. What percentage, you have, you have to give a percentage here. 
What percentage do you think there is that Rashad Bateman and Odo Beckham Jr. both play 17 games this year? National Football League, collision sport. Both guys don't have F minus in the building, critical. The way in which you prepare yourself and practice goes a long way. It's tough, but I'm going to say there's an 80% chance both make it through the season. Mm. That's a good – That's mine is in the building. I'll it, take that. It, it gets up there, 80% chance. Yeah, look, I will take that. You're right. You know, this is a collision sport, National Football League here. But, look, if both guys – have approached their recovery the right way. It seems like they have at this point and they get back to throwing hundred percent. Hopefully that's the case here because with Bateman, with Beckham, with Duvernay, with flowers, with all these guys, Aguilar, who apparently is just the stud of training camp right now, or mini camp. We'll talk about that in the yeah. final segment. That that's a very deep room to me. And, and if all the guys are healthy, I'm really excited to see what they can do, especially in this new offense. And with Lamar Jackson seemingly feeling a lot more confident, it looks like in especially getting the keys. But coming up in the final part of the show, we will talk about the keys, talk about Nelson Aguilar and mini camp takeaways over these last three days here. So be sure to stay tuned, plenty to get to on Locked On Ravens. We're back here rounding out Locked On Ravens with Kadri Ismael. I am Kevin Ostriker in QI hinted at it. We'll talk about some mini camp takeaways now. The Ravens getting everybody in the building. Now, not everybody participated as we talked about, but still, th- this was, I think, a really good opportunity for everybody, especially with the new offense, to get. Everybody in the building, we saw Odell Beckham make his practice debut in a Ravens jersey. Looks really good. But the star of the wide receiver room, Q, seems to be Nelson Aguilar. Seems like every day there's something new with him, contested catches and catching touchdowns. This is a player where I think he was signed, and we talked about this. He was signed, and a lot of people were saying, oh, this, this is a terrible signing. This can't be the only move they made, and luckily it wasn't. But do you feel like Nelson Aguilar can have maybe more of an impact that people were signing him up for in the early portion of the offseason when he first got signed? So it helps the fact that he's you know being productive and his name is being called and you're seeing it all. But you also got to recognize that I have seen many camp All-Americans, many camp All-Pros, many camp Hall of Famers. Right now, there is no Bateman. There is no necessary uh, offensive line, really getting a a strong pass rush in their face. There's no game planning per se. So is he solidifying his spot? Absolutely. But when training camp comes and the dog days of training camp comes, that's when you're going to make your medal. When you look at what's going on when it comes to uh, going up against other guys and and, – uh, preseason, who are, who are they going to have a joint practice with? Is it the commanders? The, com- or? the commanders, yeah. It is commanders. Good. So we're going to see how you look one-on-one because when you're going up against your boys, you kind of got a familiarity with them and you kind of you know did your move you know five times uh, too many, and yet they still bid on the same move. Well, now let's go against some corner whose job is on the line, not named Marlon Humphreys, and – you got to compete against him and see how it all unfolds. And that's not a knock. That's just the reality. Speaking the reality of it all, not necessarily like, oh, wow, this is great. Let's just no. The process has to be the process. He's gone through that process now. 
continually just put my name on the map, continually just make deposits. And yeah, they're going to probably go down to Florida. They'll get more on the same page. That'll even be even better. Heck, he was down in Florida earlier when Lamar was in the midst of, all right, cool, now I'm back. And you see it pay off. So I think that's a part of the opportunity he had with Lamar, and it paid off. Let's continually see it. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying 100%. I mean, look, the the trading camp, mini camp, All-Americans, I think James Perche has been that for them the past couple of years. And while that's great and everything, it hasn't necessarily translated to the regular season. It has to translate over. You know, you can make all these plays in training camp. You, you can have all those storylines. But if you're not helping the team when it actually matters, that, that's a whole different conversation. But Q, on the offensive line, and I know we talked about this a bit last week, but now we have a, a little bit more to talk about because the Ravens' sixth-round rookie, Salah Muvailaulu, has gotten some first-team snaps, which I think a lot of people – we're saying, oh, well, this is going to be a developmental guy, not going to play a lot. That was me. But left guard, he's been he's been getting some snaps here. Ben Cleveland, it seems like his stock is down right now. Daniel Falele getting some run at left guard as well. Would you be shocked if this wasn't, you know, we talked about Ben Cleveland a little bit last week, but would you be shocked if the Ravens put Salah in there and say, you know what, week one, go out there and, and let, let's do this thing? Caution to the wind. Only in this regards, when it comes to what they did in camp, it was nowhere near physical because they know <laughs> John, I think John Harbaugh was probably one of those coaches that got reported on reporting, meaning that the NFLPA negotiated with the NFL. Yo, mini camps and all this jazz can't be all hardcore, beat guys down. Y'all got to like chill. And we've seen even just recently Bill Belichick uh, well, I think he got personally fined because he jacked it all up, a six-figure fine. So I'm not tripping. But the defense ain't really going all that. The offense ain't really going all that when it comes to O-line, D-line. They got to know their assignments. They got to know their technique. Mentally, lock in. Hey, if those other guys are locked in, that's great. If it is our boy Salah doing his thing, great. If it is Fa'alele, great. If it is Ben Cleveland, come on, Ben, let's do something. But anyway, outside of that, if it is Ben Cleveland doing something, great. But we ain't going to know anything until we actually see them in training camp. I think it's big time that uh, they test the waters, see how they look against the ones, see how they look. You know, is the lights too bright for them? What What, what is it that we're looking at? It's an evaluation, but let's not, you know, overstep the evaluation. Not in not in minicamp, not in OTAs. Right, and I, I know that the common thing is that, oh, well, the offense has the advantage during these drills early on and, like, wide receiver corner one. Well, let me ask you that, Q. Do, the, do wide receivers have the advantage in one-on-ones? I mean, in one-on-ones, as a receiver you do because there's no pass rush. Uh, the defensive back, especially in minicamp, can't bring you to the ground, can't really even sniff on you or else you'll get fined. The thing is, though, when training camp comes along, yeah, kind of, sort of evens out a little bit. Commanders is going to be a big test. Um, I will say that because that's when it gets a little real because you're going up against another dude. Like I said, that dude care less if you injure yourself on your team because I ain't playing for your team unless your team at the end of training camp because you got injured signs me and therefore I'm on your roster. Then we'll be boys. 
But up until then, I don't give two cents. All I know is, is that I'm going out that I'm going to compete. So that's where, in my mind, you're going to see, uh, yeah, guys should be shining. Guys should be making catches in these scenarios. And if I'm not mistaken, the last joint practice the Ravens had was Carolina a couple of years ago. And who got injured or who started missing time during that joint practice? Derek Wolf. With with the back, <laughs> yes. I don't I don't I don't know if there was any underlying stuff before that, but that's where it first happened. And obviously in the preseason game, LJ Fort tore his ACL. But you're right. I think the physicality will continue to increase over the next couple of well, once they hit training camp over the first couple weeks of training camp, the joint practice in the preseason. So for right now, look, Ravens doing their due diligence by getting as many guys in there as they can. It doesn't hurt at this point to give guys reps, see what they have. And so Salah being the beneficiary of that early on. But Q, talking about Lamar Jackson a little bit, it just seems like he's he's confident right now. Feels like the trust factor is real between him and Todd Munkin. The attention to detail that Todd Munkin has been shelving is rubbing off on him and the rest of the team. And it seems like the whole offense is on board with what they're running right now. Even Odo Beckham, you know, Lamar Jackson saying that, oh, you know, Running can only take you so far. Odo Beckham kind of echoed that a tiny bit in a, in a different way. So these guys are ready to throw the football. They're ready to air this ball out. And I think it is continuing to get the excitement level high for the team, for fans, about this offense. So what are your expectations right now? Minicamp's in the books. Voluntary OTAs are in the books. Has anything changed for you with your expectations on this offense based off of what we've seen and heard from these players and coaches so far? Yeah, you know, the expectation, I think, is one where – if you look at, for example, the 2012 divisional round playoffs, which I did uh, just recently, I was one of my clients. Um, he has autism and he's amazing when it comes to his football knowledge. And, and, and he was like, you know, uh, hey, Coach Q, can we look at the 2012 divisional round playoffs? I was like, sure. So we're watching Denver and literally Denver was throwing it around. You could see where. You know, no Sean Moreno. They were matched up on Danelle Ellerby. He scores. Uh, Eric Decker had some deep crossing routes. Uh, but then at the same time, Joe Flacco on the other side of things. My God, they were like, like if Torrey Smith, he missed Torrey on one, one, two. He had two other touchdowns. He could have had easily three. And Torrey had a deep ball. Torrey could have had arguably 200 plus yards in a divisional round, he could have made himself even more of a, a Baltimore slash NFL legend if he had, you know, had some more catches. But you had everybody in the mix. And so what I'm saying is, is that we have a team now that you could see where everyone is in the mix. And you know what they were doing? They were giving the ball to Ray Rice. And it wasn't about throwing the ball down the football field. Although Ray, yes, absolutely. Ray, hey, diddle, diddle, Ray Rice up the middle. Or you also had him, you know, coming out of the backfield, you know, check down Ray. Um, Joe literally was slinging it to everybody. That is where I'm saying, sure, let's knock this out the park. Let's look at what can be. Also on the flip side of it all, yes, let's look at uh, Peyton Manning and seeing how he's slung it around. Here's the one thing that neither Joe nor Peyton had. They ain't have nowhere near the dynamic ability that uh, Lamar Jackson has, the dynamic playmaking ability of his legs as well. So he can extend plays. He can make a guy look silly by running the ball. And again, I keep saying this, 
Like if I'm slinging it to everybody, could you imagine fresh leg Lamar? I mean, bruh, we're talking week 16 and 17. Like what is Miami thinking? What is Pittsburgh thinking? Oh my goodness. We are going to be like talking about some, woo, he's going into the playoffs feeling good because he doesn't have to run. I run when I want to run. So yeah, JK and company, they're going to feast. Tight end group, Kohler and company, they're going to feast. Oh, you heard me say that. That's right. See, Isaiah likely is going to get his regardless. He's like the dude in the middle that's, that's just going to feast. Mark Andrews, right now, baller. We understand it. He's going to get it, Kohler. Anyway, as I was saying, if I was rudely interrupted, you want to look at the receiving core? The receiving core, I'm telling you right now, just as we saw in the 2012 game, there's going to be a guy that is going to be the go-to guy, and that guy is the likes of an Anquan Bolden, a.k.a. OBJ. Psh, bruh, we're living large. I think we're going to have a better third receiver uh, than Jacoby Jones. But Jacoby, what happened when his number was called? Yeah, okay, the mile-high miracle. He had other plays where he could have had, like I think it was like a real easy uh, route into the flat, and he actually dropped it. But the point I'm making is, is that I don't see this group faltering. I see this group rising up, and I see this group having what we know to be is a very solid and strong opportunity to make plays, and the ball will be spread around. Right. I think Todd Munkin is, is a breath of fresh air in that regard, too, because I think he understands and knows how to utilize everybody's skill sets to – their maximum and, and what they're good at. I, I think Greg Roman had some of that, but not as much. Like we saw Pastor Ricard in the slot, I think one or 25 too many times when he was out there. I think Pastor Ricard has a skill set that can be valuable to the Ravens, but I think you want to see everybody being used in the way that, that can help the team win at the highest potential, not, not necessarily hurting yourself by giving guys roles that aren't meant for what they're capable of. So to me, I'm excited for this offense. They're, they're not completely tearing it down. There will still be things from the previous offense, but Todd Monk is going to add his stuff into it, and I think he's going to be really, really good for this team. But Q, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here again for this Purple Friday. And now, you know, I talk about low period. Now we really are in that because minicamp is done. The, the team has their little vacation, but I feel like training camp is going to be here before we know. So it'll all be all right. Yeah, it will. And I think, you know, ultimately uh, this offseason has been a really fun one, you know, to kind of delve into things. I am I am not an offseason, you know, pundit. I am absolutely an in-season pundit. But, you know, every week we've had something to talk about. Every week we've, you know, been able to get in the weeds. Obviously, right now I can get a little more esoteric when it comes to the receiver play and offensive play and defensive play. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely think this was one of the more fun off seasons um, that we've had. And, and obviously for you and I, it, it makes for great uh, podcasting. Yeah, I know Lamar Jackson kind of kept us afloat a little bit with uh, with the content he provided yeah. us, but it, you can look back on it now because he signed, right? If he wasn't signed still, we'd still be talking about mm. it and we'd be a little worried now, especially after the draft. But I'm glad that we have plenty of content, of course, still to come here over the course of the next couple of weeks, couple months. And I'm, I'm excited to see this team hit the field for week one. It's going to be here before we know. But Q, I appreciate you again. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for tuning in today on Locked on Ravens, whether it is an audio form, video form, however you're listening or watching. We'll get back here on Monday. More Ravens content from us. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we'll see you right back here on Monday.